electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll do people make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job, not just to educate, but also teach you about how all this works. So call me 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right, listen, I am so tired of hearing that this rally is too narrow, that it's been defined by the Magnificent Seven, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta Platforms, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla. That if it doesn't broaden out, we're in trouble. That advice has kept you out of a massive rally. So today, you know, another tepid day, right? Dow shed 130 points. This has been a climb 0.2%. NASDAQ dipped 0.18%. Let me ask you. If you're still on the sidelines, hoping for the market to get a bit, get better breath, and look, that doesn't mean that market won't go down. I'm talking about what kept you out of the first half. I have to ask you something. What exactly are you waiting for? That is not a rhetorical question, people. To get a broader rally, more stocks would need to go higher, right? So let's talk about them specifically because it's important context. If you're waiting for broadening, then you should look up the stock symbol for Godot. And that's not Godot, which is probably some stupid fintech. Anyway, in a way that demonstrates that broadening, the rally makes no sense. So let's scrape the bottom of the barrel in descending order. First the Dow and then the SP 500. So you can see how what a fallacy it is to wait for a broadening. It just doesn't work. The 10th worst stock in the Dow is Verizon which has been left behind by T-Mobile. Verizon has a terrible cost structure. It's thrown away money at bad acquisitions. And if management were prudent, they actually would cut the dividend to save more money. I think the stock belongs lower precisely because of the dividend risk. Number nine is Nike, which missed numbers and guided suboptimally. The stock's expensive at more than 28 times earnings, even as management said they see an environment full of competition and promotion. I think Nike has too much inventory, but maybe it can be saved by the World Cup. I doubt it. The question here is, why isn't the company making more money? 
They're beloved on three continents. Jordans are still making them a fortune. He had a guy retired years ago. Most of the people wear it don't even know who he is. And they have a fabulous direct-to-consumer business. But somehow it's not enough. Something is plain wrong at this great American company that can't seem to profit more from all of its considerable strengths. I am saying plain wrong. Number eight is Goldman Sachs, an incredibly disappointing number so far this year, unsatisfied with being the advisor to the wealthiest. Goldman went down market. Well, that's a great idea. They went aggressively. Now it's undoing that whole pivot to the consumer. It's now looking to sell a small loan business it bought a little more than a year ago. It might undo its partnership with Apple that seemed terrific in terms of reach and certainly what they've been talking about. It's been a fortune developing Apple's credit card. Could be a monster and embarrassing write-off if they have to sell it right now. Oh, and let's not forget the billions of potential real estate write-off from the older regime. Billions! Yep, Goldman's just plain ugly. And the core business stinks, too. No IPOs, no mergers, where the real margins are. Is that the kind of stock that could potentially make the market broader that you're waiting for? I don't know. We actually own the seventh worst performer in the Dallas for the Chapel Trust. That's Johnson & Johnson. It's now split into a slow-growth consumer business and a fast-growing farm and medical uh, device business. Brilliant move. But the public seems to have decided that J&J's baby powder had asbestos in it, and it caused cancer, and that caused lawsuits. The settlement talks seem to be going nowhere, even as I hope that's not the case. But hope should never be part of the equation, should it? Number six is Travelers. Had a bad quarter, plain and simply. Insurance business is cyclical and cutthroat. What Travelers invests your premium in isn't always optimal. I will say this, though. It's... no better than anybody else, except for maybe Chubb and Warren Buffett's Geico. Still not a great time to be an insurance company, any insurance company. That can't be broad. That's not going to help. Pickleball, anyone? We recently became aware that managed care companies like United Health Group are revising up the potential loss forecast in part because of pickleball injuries. I was going to start playing this weekend, but you know what I say, Lisa? Hold on. Now, this whole thing seems crazy, but nobody's denying it. Hey, by the way, same, same goes for the worse than planned medical expenses post-COVID. Again, there are a ton of managed care plays in the SP 500, and you just can't trust them right now. Honestly, I feel the same way about Humana, despite owning for the Chapel Trust. Just a bad time for the whole group. Not going to help you get broad. Chevron's the fourth worst performance down huge year over year. Why? Okay, well, guess what? It's an oil company, and oil's bad. Chevron's better than most of his companies, but who the heck wants to own a commodity stock when the commodities are heading lower? Even a great company like Chevron, and they are great. Third worst is Amgen. Boy, I'm calling that dead money. Just a point donor to tech, okay? Trades at roughly 12 times earnings. Remember when Amgen was a growth stock? Uh, it's a sign that people no longer believe it's a growth stock. Amgen's become merely one more drug stock pinata. That's really nothing special, okay? Frankly, nothing pharma trades well because Wall Street's worried about the government cracking down on drug prices. Comes up every four years by the time. By the way, this time I think it might be actual. Next, if you think J&J has legal problems, 3M puts them to shame. With its forever chemicals lawsuits, they can't be put to rest, uh, even after a big settlement with the affected communities. Now, there are thousands more veterans, uh, by the way, who say they have hearing problems because of 3M allegedly defective earplugs. These these, these issues aren't going away. Tech doesn't have these kinds of problems. Finally, the worst form in the Dow is Walgreens. I think they're being crushed by Amazon and by theft in the front of the store, while the pharmacy side of the business has been targeted by multiple entities that want to get drug prices down, 
including the government. I say, who wants to own the stock of a drugstore when practically everything in there is locked by lock and key and it's some piece of plastic that's hideous? Just a miserable shopping experience, incredibly inhospitable. And I do not have, like having to make someone come out from wherever they were behind the desk so I can get my Gillette razor blades. I put them on auto for Amazon. And look, I'm not picking on the Dow. You know, well, let's perform it for the S&P 500. Starts with EPAM. That's an enterprise software company that missed the quarter, lowered estimates. I mean, it's all bad, like so many other enterprise software companies. Who needs it? That's not going to broaden the rally. Schwab's next. Now, we all know the problems of financials that have the wrong bond portfolios, as Schwab does. I like Schwab, but it hasn't resolved the situation to Wall Street satisfaction. Then there's a Moderna. Which, uh, look, I like the stock. But you know what? It falls under the rubric of post-COVID hangover. A whole group of stocks that fit that one. Can we count on Newell, perhaps, to broaden things out? Well, let's see. It's a bad balance sheet, paltry earnings, and just cut its dividend. I don't think that's going to cut it. Then there's a sea of regional banks with genuine worries about new bank rules and reserves. Citizens Financial is number six. Comerica is number five. While Zions and Key are number three and two. We lost these regional bank stocks after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank both failed within days of each other in March. There hasn't been any real comeback, as we're convinced the earnings and uh, regulation could be totally punitive. Um, I've got to tell you, I like this one, but it's because it's where the Phillies play. Let's throw in number four, Enphase, which we thought was a solar play, but it really turned out to be a financing play. It's harder to borrow money. Finally, the worst performer in the S&P 500 for the first half is Advanced Auto Parts. It's been cut in half thanks to an earnings disaster. Is that what you're waiting for, for them to get better? I think any company with worries about financing is going to be in trouble in this environment. And why even bother waiting for an auto or parts industry to turn around? I, I don't even mind the auto stocks, though. I highlight all these losers because how the heck can this market broaden out when so many companies have simply become have-nots, either because of the yield curve or losses or sector-wide woes that prevent them from doing well in this environment? Could the environment change? Sure, but considering how many of these problems come from the Fed raising rates, it's only going to change for the worst. Bottom line, if you're willing to be really patient, you can wait until the Fed's done tightening. But by that time, I'll tell you one thing, the move will be over. So why not just go with what's working instead of waiting for what's clearly not working and stop thinking that things have to broaden out before you should get interested. We just had the best rally in 40 years in the NASDAQ. You think if we get broader, that's going to happen again? Do better than that? I don't think so. Joe in Florida, Joe. Hey, Jim, I have a question. Sure, Joe. Public storage. Why does it go up and down like a yo-yo? It never goes anywhere. Well, right now, there are, it is perceived that they have overbuilt in the industry and there's a lot of mergers. I think you're fine. I like PSA. I think it is a very good company. The advice that rally was too narrow, so you should wait to buy, well, that has kept you out of a massive rally. And shame on those who said, it has to get broad before I'll get in. What? Look, some stocks are just better than others. Oh, man, money tonight. Wall Street has been expecting recession for a while now. But with a labor market that's more resilient than many expected, where should we stand? Why don't we check in with a payroll processor like Paychex to find out what's happening? Then there's a new king of beers, people, in the form of Constellation Brands. I'm digging in some numbers that I think investors should know about. And on holdings, the company behind the popular running shoe you see everywhere. Invite us out to the new store in Brooklyn earlier today, and I'm excited for the story. I maybe one of the great growth stocks out there. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. How do we get a read on this murky economy where so many experts have told us to expect a recession for over a year now, yet the recession never comes? I like to take my cue from Paychex, one of the country's largest payroll processors, mostly for small and medium-sized businesses, which also offer various human resources, outsourcing, and consulting services. Lucrative stuff. Even though this stock's been a fabulous long-term winner, even though the underlying business it instantly becomes more profitable every time the Fed raises interest rates because they collect uh, interest on payroll while waiting for the checks to clear, Wall Street still has turned against paychecks when the Fed started tightening. Everybody figures the Fed can't beat inflation without throwing tons of people out of work, which is bad news for the payroll processors. But the job market is still doing relatively well. Last week, paychecks reported another solid quarter with a slightly better than expected full-year forecast. While the stock hasn't done much in response, we need to figure out what's really going on here because this company can tell us a great deal about small business, the bedrock of the American economy, and how it impacts the stock market, and their company in particular. So let's check in with John Gibson, the president and CEO of Paychex, to get a better sense of the quarter and what it means for the broader economy. Mr. Gibson, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, it's great to be back with you. Thank you, John. Hey, listen, uh, we know we got this uh, release today. Small business jobs index dips in June. Rate of wage growth continues to moderate. That's from you. Now, I read this. Your numbers are always the best there is. And I said, well, there's a little slow deceleration. Maybe that's more important than how you're doing because your numbers were good. How can you put this, uh, the news release in context with how your company is doing? 
Yeah, well, look, Jim, I think in the index, what I would say is we're basically back to where we were in January. Uh, you look here halfway through uh, uh, 23, we saw in the job index the first quarter, we saw an increase every month of that quarter. Then we've seen moderation over the last couple. And what's interesting in the June numbers, when you dig under it, what we're seeing is some deceleration because people are finding it more difficult to find people, particularly in the leisure and hospitality. So that was a soft spot. Oh, geez, that is a soft it is so hard, that business right now. But there is something that concerns me. I've been uh, a big believer that the yield curve may actually be wrong. Now, in my career, it's been wrong a couple of times. I think maybe I've been around for too long. I've seen it be wrong. I wasn't around for 29 where it was very wrong. But let me ask you, do you think that you're just a casualty of a perception that if a yield curve is inverted, then business must go bad? Well, I, I, th- I think, Jim, part of the issue we have here is that I think some of the basic models we have about employment uh, are flawed in what, how we can control it. I think we have a labor supply problem uh, in, in the U.S. right now. And I think policy maker, makers need to focus there. I'm not convinced that all of this action is going to have the desired impact when you think about the fact that businesses have struggled so hard over the last three years to really regain their employment levels. I talked to a lot of business owners that are very concerned uh, to think about taking any action because they're not sure they can get those people back. So I think a lot of our historical models uh, aren't necessarily going to match up well of a country that just went through a pandemic and went through the type of labor turmoil that we've had the last three years. Well, I want to add to that, John. I feel that we're in a country where there's so much new regulation and concern that in the end, the big guys, the large employers, they win and the small guys can't compete with them. And a lot of people feel that you're the you know, great ally of the small one, as I know you have been because I've been I've been a client. And it is just concerning to watch the big guys triumph because they can deal with the regulations a lot more easily than the small medium size. Yeah, well, listen, Jim, I think you're pointing to the reason why uh, we've had such a great fiscal year ending uh, last fiscal year. The fact of the matter is we help businesses succeed. We're helping them compete against the big guys. Um, you look at it for the year. Our revenue was up 9% last fiscal year. We surpassed $5 billion in revenue as a company. We added a billion dollars in reoccurring revenue over the course of the pandemic. We actually exited the last six months stronger than when the prior six months. And it's really because of the value of our HR services, the fact that we're helping businesses attract or retain employees. We're helping them put together benefit packages like 401ks that allow them to compete against the big guys. And uh, what we're seeing is you look at Gen Z and you look at a lot of newer um, generational people that are entering the workforce, they're actually attracted to small and mid-sized companies that have an entrepreneurial spirit versus a big company. So we're out there and I think our value proposition is resonating and I think we're helping the little guy win. I totally agree. But one last question. Are you advising uh, companies that have more than $100,000 in one bank that they should diversify? Because I believe that the small, medium-sized business depends on the small and medium-sized banker. And I'd hate to see a lot of money taken away from small, medium-sized bankers and given just to J.P. Morgan. But you're in a bind. I mean, if you don't say, uh, if you say you can stay with a smaller guy and they get in trouble, well, you know, it's maybe it's going to be your fault. So what are you telling people? Well, look, I think we're telling our small business owners to continue to build that strong relationship. As you said, the place for small and mid-sized businesses is really their local bank. 
but we're also encouraging them to diversify and also look at some non-traditional uh, fintech approaches that I think are going to give them access to capital. Access to capital, cost to capital, big issue for good, successful small business owners. So, look, everyone should diversify. You shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket. But I think keeping those relationships uh, with the regional players is something that you're going to see small and mid-sized business owners continue to do because it is the place where they're going to get the best terms. Terrific. Well, look, John, I, I think once again, your company is just continuing to do great. One day people will realize that it shouldn't be dictated by a yield curve. You're making a lot of money right now because of changes that you've made internally at your business. That's John Gibson, president CEO of Paychex, with a great yield, by the way. We've been recommending the company since the show began, and I'm not moving away from it. Bad Money's back here to the break. Coming up, is there a new king of beer in the USA? Kramer's tapping the kegs from Constellation Brands to see if this company's got the right kind of brew for your portfolio. Next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. Move over, Bud Light. There's a new king of beers here in America, and it's Mexican Modelo Especial. Yep, last week we got a tremendous quarter from Constellation Brands, the beer, wine, and liquor company best known for importing Corona, Modelo, and Kramer Fave Pacifico. It turns out Modelo is truly number one now, something the consumer surveys have been telling us for weeks. We may not have gotten a regime change in Russia while I was on vacation, but there's definitely been a coup d'etat in the beer business. If you asked me a few months ago, I never would have predicted this, even though I love Constellation. STC has been a long time holding the charitable trust. By the way, which you can follow by joining the CBC Investing Club, and I really think you should. Even though Constellation's got a terrific core story, the incredible strength of the Mexican beer brands, the company's been plagued by ancillary problems, like its disastrous, incredibly bad investment in Canopy Growth, the Canadian cannabis company with a stock that's been a train wreck. The worst since the seminal train wreck scene in Kramer Fave, The Fugitive. More recently, the company's founders decided to sell huge chunks of stock in order to make new investments, which put a ton of pressure on the share price. Endless and beleaguering, I got to tell you. Just over three months ago, Constellation was in a truly difficult position. Uh, it was The stock was sitting at 210, near the lowest levels in more than two years. So what happened to turn this thing around? How the heck did Modelo Especial suddenly become the king of beers? <laughs> Well, Bud Light launched a marketing campaign that somehow turned into a culture war issue, and that blew up in their face. They used to be number one, but when we got the latest market share numbers a few weeks ago, it was Modelo Especial at the top selling. Yes, the number one beer in May, surpassing a hobble Bud Light. Hey, maybe it's better to be lucky than good. 
And last Friday, we got confirmation when Constellation reported great quarter solid sales beat, solid earnings beat. That would have been even better without Canopy Growth train wreck dragging them down. The strength here came from the booming beer business, which net sales up 11% year over year. That's double digit. While the wine and spirits division was less impressive, it is a smaller piece of the product. Those numbers might not sound super impressive, especially when you consider the management really reaffirmed their full year forecast. But when you read through the conference call, it was insanely positive, which is why so many analysts raised their price targets on Monday morning. What made Constellation results so great? Well, it all comes down to what Wall Street, I'm going to introduce this concept to you. Wall Street calls the cadence of the quarter, the rhythm. How did things develop from week to week to week and month to month to month during the quarter? Well, uh, that's what Wall Street wants to hear, is a great cadence. And the cadence here was nothing short of stupendous. President CEO Bill Newland told us that depletion performance accelerated throughout the quarter. Depletions are a key metric of how, many, uh, of how much product a beer company is moving. There was a 5.5% increase for the quarter, and depletion growth continued to accelerate into June. Now, see, that's fabulous cadence. Remember, when we're talking about cadence, an overall good quarter that started okay and finished strong is much better than a great quarter that started strong and finished okay. Because we care about the future here, not the past. And the cadence gives you a sense of where things are headed. And where things are headed is... Constellation is putting a ton of money into increasing distribution of the popular beer brands. And they're now taking market share like crazy. Then, Nuance reminded us that Modelo Speciales become the number one beer in America by dollar sales, while Corona Extra and Pacifico also grew by 4% eh, and 26% respectively. The Corona numbers, I don't know if you ever had, it's a long neck with yellow label, brown bottle, it is a killer. The Pacifico number was amazingly strong, and it hasn't really even been pushed by the company yet. Shame on them. They should put a lot of money behind what's winning, but they got a lot of share to gain there. It really does come down to the accelerating revenue growth here. In the question and answer session, Nuance explained that when you look at the Circana beer market data, crucial report, the 12-week is better than the 26-week, while the 4-week is better than the 12-week. Yes, Cadence again. Most important, the acceleration of Constellation experience in the first quarter is, and he quote, I quote him, continuing into the second quarter. And things were already great in the first quarter. Nguyen says that Modelo Especial was growing by double digits in 24 states. Chilada, their Mexican beer cocktail brand, grew by double digits or, or triple digits in 47 states. That's powerful. How about the trade-down effect as consumers brace for what's constantly being told, we're told is going to be a recession? Nguyen doesn't see it all. Not at all. He sees stronger consumer engagement with all of Constellation's beer brands. Again, all this is going is good and getting better, and that's the key. Constellation's beer business got increasingly strong as the quarter went on, and they ran circles around Bud Light, thanks in part to Budweiser's controversial ad campaign. However, when Constellation reported, the stock initially didn't do much because management declined to raise the full-year forecast. A lot of money managers figured they'd boost the guidance because of the newfound strength of Modelo. But the company decided to be conservative, which turned a lot of investors off. They were worried about some sort of expense out there. Maybe there was some weakening sales that, that we didn't see. But since then, Constellation stock has rallied nicely because it's become clear that management simply was being conservative. It's, it's possible they'll keep all the newfound beer business. Uh, then again, maybe people go back to Bud Light someday as Anheuser-Busch and InBev gets his house in order. So why would Constellation stick its neck out here? In the end, 
What matters to me is the overall thesis. Constellation's Mexican beer business consistently produces solid organic growth, and right now they've got a chance to supercharge it thanks to the chaotic state of the beer market. And, and I think this is really important and left out on the call, super hot weather in some of the most important regions like Texas. Weather does correlate with beer sales. Plus, maybe they even keep a ton of these new customers. But Dell's a fantastic beer. I used to crush it at Bar San Miguel with this stuff. I don't think people will want to go back. My predilection. Perhaps best of all, Constellation stock just isn't expensive. This has normally been a very expensive stock, but it's currently selling for a little more than 21 times forward earnings estimates, exactly in line with its average price earnings multiple over the past few years. Now, even though Constellation's run from 210 to 251 in a matter of months, I don't think it's too late to get in here. Frankly, if Modelo and Corona and Pacifico can simply hold their market share gains for a couple more months, the earnings estimates are going to go way up. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if that's exactly what happens because Constellation's got a great product. The Bud Light debacle has finally given them an opportunity to take share all over the place. Let me give you the bottom line here. After trading sideways for years, Constellation Brands seems finally to have gotten its group back. And based on what Bill Newland said on the conference call, I'm betting this stock's got a lot more upside. Possibly, possibly, maybe even to record levels? I think so. Medell especially else is the number one beer in America, yet this stock's still down about 10 bucks from its 52-week high. How does that make any sense? It doesn't, which is why we're sticking with Constellation for the Charitable Trust. We think it's headed much higher. Too much good news ahead for it to stall out at these levels. Let's take calls. Why don't we go to our friend Mike in Connecticut. Mike. Hey, Jim. I've been a caller several times throughout my course, my working life and retirement, and you've been such a wonderful source of information with your teachings. I have to say thanks once again. Thank you, buddy. You're a lifesaver in the minefield. I've been on vacation, and I've gotten so many positive comments that all I can say is the people who don't like me, (laughs) good luck. Go ahead. Heck with them. Hey, I have one question, but it's a tale of two stocks. Okay. The main stock. The main stock has been opening store after store, but not concentrating on individual store sales. This stock has also gotten some bad press with lawsuits. It's also been said to have given out some incorrect information about itself. Should I sell Dutch Bros at this time, buy more Palantir technology, and then come back to Dutch Bros when I find some products? I have to tell you, I really like Palantir here. I told that to the CFO the other day. I think he was, like, laughing at me. I said, I like your stock. Give me a break. But I've got to tell you, Dutch Bros overexpanded. I begged them not to. I begged them. But did they care about what I had to say? Did they? No. Constellation Brands SEC has finally got its group back. I'm betting the stock's got more upside, maybe much more, which is why we're sticking with Constellation with the Capital Trust even after this big move. Now, much more made money, and includes my exclusive with another hot one on holdings. With the company on a mission to expand its brick and mortar footprint, I'm learning more about how the strategy is playing out from the company's new Brooklyn flagship in Williamsburg. Then we've had an incredible rally in the tape. Some might investors missed the opportunity to get in, but how? I'm reviewing the factors that kept many on the sidelines. And believe me, those who kept you out, they will not feel good at the supermarket tomorrow when people look at them and saying, it was you. Not to say about me. Lighting around coming up, too. So stay with Kramer. Most watchers of the show know I've been a huge fan of On Holding, the Swiss sneaker company with a stock that's now up 
more than 92% for the year. These guys are rapidly expanding their initial focus on running shoes into a larger set of products, including apparel. And I think it's worth taking a closer look. By the way, I also urge younger people that this would be the stock I would buy. Earlier today, we had a chance to sit down with Lawn Holdings co-CEO and CFO Martin Hoffman at the company's newly opened beautiful store in Williamsburg, neighborhood of Brooklyn, not that far from where I live. I want you to take a look. Martin, this is so exciting. It's a brand new store, but I have to ask you, why Williamsburg? Because we were so excited to finally be here. This is our first real, true community store. So, of course, we have the store over in Manhattan and NoHo, but there's a lot of tourism there. And right. here, it's really about building the store for the community, really growing with the families in the area. I mean, it's a, it's a vibrant city. Uh, we have a fun and a run really every week, every Tuesday. Uh, doesn't matter how fast you go. You go down to East River. Uh, take you on a nice run afterwards have a have a good time here together We have a dedicated space on the first floor and really we took all the learnings from all our other stores in around the world Into that store really highlighting our running competence highlighting apparel. So super excited to be here uh, the Store is open already, but on Saturday We actually have the big opening party the full block will be closed and then uh, we're really going well I want to be clear uh, you make performance shoes that are often worn as fashion shoes. And yet you make clear that the community understands the performance side uh, in the building itself. Yeah, and it's not a, it's not a conflict. It's actually it's it's together because what looks good also makes you feel good, makes you move more, really enjoying it. This is what, what we are about. It's about igniting the spirits through movement. And uh, so we want to make you move, how matter, no matter how fast you go. But we have super fast products here. Uh, tomorrow, actually, uh, officially available in our stores is the Cloud Boom Echo, so the shoe that Helen O'Peary was uh, wearing for her win at the Boston Marathon uh, just in March this year. And, uh, but we also have uh, our, our tennis-inspired collection here, uh, of course, with Wimbledon going on at the moment, very hot. Now, I know that right now you've decided let's use those additional dollars for awareness. Is this store and others you're opening, including London, which I understand is magnificent, about building awareness for this great brand? I think it's, this one is really about connecting with the community, okay. really being here for the families around it, uh, for, the, for the neighbors. Um, Watch out, you know so, I'm a neighbor. Yes, I, I know, <laughs> so please come by for the, for the runs. And uh, London is, is a very different animal, um, very, very huge store, but great success. Uh, fun story, I've just been in London. Uh, the highest checkout that we had in the London store was 72 pairs from one person. So Ooh. it was quite amazing. Okay, so let's speak about the brand. A lot of people feel that you were born yesterday, so therefore you're, uh, you could be the next Fila, unfortunately, or Reebok, or a Black Knight, or, 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 uh, or, or Under Armour, all of which failed against Nike. But you're not a newcomer to this space. No, we are here now since 13 years, and we have grown extremely steady over time. And we are a premium performance brand. And right. so we really pay a lot of attention to our distribution being premium. And retail is an important element now. It really elevates how you experience the brand. It's the only place in the physical world where you can actually see all the different models, the full apparel line. And uh, we have seen it in London. All of a sudden, you have a huge uptick in, in e-com. 
uh, Harrods next door makes more revenue, sees more inflow of apparel requests. Uh, so it's really working. I know that you are surprisingly uh, aware of the need for gross margins to be up. You want to hit a 60 level. You're very uh, happy that your big expenses that had to do with COVID are all gone now. Totally. I mean, uh, really, the organization has now much more time to focus on the long term and growing and uh, not taking care so much about short term air freight and, and port congestions topics. Uh, so really, we are out of we are out of that. Uh, we can fully look forward again. And uh, this is reflected in our guidance. We continue to see really strong demand also now in the in the last weeks. And uh, yeah, we are positive. You know, I anointed you as part of our group of for younger people who wanted to buy stocks because we feel this is the brand. At the same time, there are analysts who keep saying that there's too much discounting. Now, a lot of that was Nike saying it's very competitive. What in my experience and my looking at your brand from behind the scenes, I do not see discounting or inventory problems. I see fresh new merchandise that seems to fly off the shelves. Am I right? Or do people are people who are uh, uh, let's say, circumspect about growth, right about your brand. I think you're right. Um, and this is how we see it as well. Um, so really, we, we are clean in terms of inventory in the channel. Yes, we have too much inventory in our own warehouses, but it's only a timing issue. It's not old inventory. And with the strong growth that we are having and the fact that we really control now the inflow of inventory, um, we're in a good position. The winners in your space have been known to innovate and constantly put out new and better and different. The losers stick with the same, believing that you must stay if whatever successful. You seem to be at the forefront of coming up with new brands constantly. And this is all about the team. And uh, really, we have so strong innovators from all the different areas, materials scientists, chemists, uh, biotechnologists. And uh, it's really amazing to see what's in the pipeline, but it's what's already there. Take the cloud server, for example, the shoe that launched earlier this year. It's uh, almost the best-selling model now with the new outsole technology cloud tech phase. And uh, it's my favorite shoe now, so I run it all the time. All right. I know it's for runners, but tennis, Wimbledon's coming up. Will you be represented? Well, we have Igor Swiatek, so the winner from uh, the French Open, which of course was a huge highlight for us, uh, winning the first Grand Slam. Uh, we have Ben Sheldon, really a, a young, upcoming uh, uh, American and a really great person. Uh, he'd just been over in, in our Zurich Well, offices. I expect him to be on and display at the US Open. Yeah, and I think both are playing just right now, so uh, wish them good luck. Uh, Olympics next year. I know Nike's excited. Will they be surprised to see that Owen will be there? Cloud. Well, we will be there, uh, so we are excited as well. Uh, Why aren't you intimidated by Nike? Why don't you say, you know what, uh, no matter what we do, everyone who has tried to take Nike on has failed? We have, we have a really highly innovative product. Uh, we have proven, I mean, we have now the winner from the Ironman. We have uh, the winner of the Boston Marathon. We have the winner of the, of the French Open in our product. And uh, we have a great... Uh, engine that is that is really about creativity and we will we will show up at big times in Paris. Okay, so let, let's talk about what's happened in America with your brand. I see it everywhere, but I tend not to see it necessarily on sports. I see it for people who now work at home, who are part of what I would regard as the Lulu generation. Do you ever compare and contrast a Lulu to yourself? 
I actually see it differently. I just okay. been to Colorado. I've been to Portland. I've been at the Oregon coast. And you know, I'm running every day, so I saw a lot of people running in the in the products. I see a lot of people just wearing it every day, uh, but really a, a very inclusive mix of people uh, wearing it. So it's really great to see where we are in, in, in the US. Uh, I will be flying to China tonight, and it's the first time after almost four years that I will be there. Last time we were about 15 people, now we're 150 people in China. So really looking forward uh, to, to see how honest is pressed. I understand there. Beijing, Shanghai. Well, Shanghai, Chengdu, Hong Kong as well, yeah. Okay, so what is lightning and rain? Lightning and rain. So lightning is all about creating the fastest products and really uh, just, uh, yeah, creating that, that flash, that lightning. But that doesn't matter if in the end it actually rains and we, we are commercially successful. And this is what we call lightning and rain. Okay, I was thinking that rain also could be I don't want to overlook apparel because I think that apparel may be an adjacency that could come on very strong. Totally. And we also have great lightning products in apparel. Um, and the rain is visible here in, in the store already in the first days. 24% of uh, sales were on apparel. Uh, and you see there's much more space here reserved for apparel. So it's really coming. We see the traction, uh, but it's a multi-year project. I know that Nike praised dicks. I was shocked to see how many dicks you are in and how many you'll build, you will be. Yeah, I mean, right now we are only in a little bit over 50 stores. Um, so we are expanding, but expanding very carefully. For us, it's all about durable growth. We want to right. grow long term. So we don't need to chase anything in the next one or two years. Uh, we are here for the long term, and this is how we steered. And luckily, we have so much demand at the moment. We are in control of our growth. Well, we appreciate your coming on Mad Money. It means a great deal. We think that your stock is the best in the group and maybe the best in apparel because it's the growth that you have, I think, is very sustainable because your business model is new and innovation, and that's what matters in your business. I want to thank Martin Hoffman. He's on holding co-CEO and CFO. Uh, you've done a remarkable job, and I want to congratulate you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for coming to the stuff. It is time to step in the way. This and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, time for the lightning round. I want to start with Mitchell in Texas. Mitchell. Booyah, Kramer. What's up? Ah, not bad. Just came back from Iceland. It was dynamite. What's happening? Hey, there we go, baby. There we go. Hey, I've been using this product for like the last year. The company's growing its revenue at 20%, and they're still making a profit, which is crazy. The stock is Zoom Info. What do we think? Man, I got to tell you, that stock is so hated on Wall Street. I think the hate is overly done, but there's no rescue in a stock that's despi- despised. You need to put up a huge quarter. Tommy in New York. Tommy. Yes, sir. God bless you, Tim. A big boy out of you out there, brother. Thank Calling you, Calling you from the great neighborhood of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. We watch Best your awesome show. show every day and love it. Thank you. Thanks much. Thanks much for your great speculative knowledge and insight on Carnival Cruise Corp. Oh, I you know, I like the I, cruise companies. I like them. Now, they have had a very big move. 
Carnival Cruises double. I say we let it kind of simmer right now. Go to Norwegian. I'm telling you, I got people saying they love the Haven. I booked for the Haven, but then my mind was canceled. But I like the cruises. They're okay. All right, let's go to Gary in Florida. Gary. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. And I hope you had a great trip in Iceland. The picture oh, you put on Twitter. so good. I'm glad you liked the picture. That was, that was my fabulous daughter helping me. My both daughters were fantastic. What's going on? This company dominates the market when it comes to EUV technology and their advanced semiconductor process makes them the only game in town as the AI trade in the U.S. equities becomes a bit overtraded. Investors might want to look across the pond for alternatives in the state. However, with growing tensions between the U.S. and China and new export restrictions imposed by the Dutch government, what are your thoughts on ASML holdings? I like it, but I got to tell you, I like Lamb Research more. It's better than that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. To miss a rally in my world, it's like the end of Jack London's short story to build a fire. Because there's no coming back from that situation. In the Jack London story, the main character has plenty of chances to save himself. He's been warned not to hike through the Yukon in extreme cold. Even the dog doesn't want him to go. But he does it anyway, and it gradually kills him. In my story, to miss a rally, the denouement is similar, with ample warnings from companies and the consumer that it would be fatal to stay bearish. But many still chose not to participate, causing their portfolios to suffer from the hypothermia of low returns. What made them miss the move? Three things. First, they were fixated on the yield curve. When short-term interest rates go above long-term rates, we call that an inverted yield curve. And it's often a sign the economy is getting much worse. Notice the word often. It's not always. The bears had been bl- had blind faith the inverted yield curve would quickly destroy corporate earnings, just like Jack London's protagonist had blind faith in his ability to start a fire while dying of frostbite. Second, to miss a rally, you probably relied on a graphic image, the landing of the plane that is the economy. Going this run, you either believe we were headed for a soft landing, good, or a hard landing, bad. But as it turns out, there was the third option, where the plane coming down in the first place is a bad analogy. The bears never imagined that there could be no landing. So their whole framework was dead wrong. The economy is not an airplane. We use these metaphors to explain things, but when you're too wedded to the metaphor, you can miss out on the obvious. Third, the bears only paid attention to the Federal Reserve and totally ignored every, everything, everything from actual companies. The Fed didn't tell you there could be something like an explosion in artificial intelligence and everything related to it. You missed that entire move if you're only pay, paying attention to Jay Powell. Of course, it's not his job to bring you investment ideas, which is why it's a good idea to watch more than the Fed, like watch the show, watch the club. I'm not saying the Fed was irrelevant, but this time our central bank turned out to be like bad weather. You have to pick up your umbrella and go about your business of finding good companies with secular growth. Those weren't impacted by Powell's hawkishness. The winners paid attention to the cards in their hand, not whether it was raining outside. Oh, and the home builders, by the way, were the best stocks other than tech, which makes no sense if the plane is landing in either situation. Now, you often hear some idea will work out in the long term. But when you have the biggest first half rally in NASDAQ in 40 years, the winning idea has already worked out. It's just that you missed it if you bet against tech during this period, long or not. You see, the length of time doesn't matter. It's the performance, stupid. This time, the bears missed something equivalent to when Intel developed the 286 microprocessor or Apple launched the iPhone to use the 2 
favorite analogies of Jensen Wong, the CEO of NVIDIA, who's basically become the godfather of AI. But there's one more reason why I invoke to build a fire Jack London right here. When you read that story, you have tremendous contempt for the foolish hiker. I have tremendous contempt for the so-called experts who kept you out of this phenomenal move. They forgot what this business is really about. It's about making money in the stock market. There are two ways to do it. You can make big bets in the overall market via an index fund that mirrors the averages, or you can find what I call the matches, as in what the matches were and to build a fire. The individual companies that very noisily participated in this rally and light a fire that saves your portfolio. I'm not saying picking stocks is easy. Sometimes it can be hard to find the matches. But to me, there's nothing more reckless than the bears who told you not to even bother trying to find a match, let alone light it, because they were so sure that everything would be terrible. They did it with reckless abandon against you because they never thought they'd be nailed for it. Pure hubris. But who was going to come out on national TV and look at the camera and say, what a bunch of bozos? Well, now they can consider themselves nailed. Bozos. You failed to start the fire and you missed the best first half in 40 years. I sure hope that people didn't listen to these so-called experts because you know why? You may not hear from them again because I think they may have to rethink their professions after missing this bonanza. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.